Hey guys, buckle up for a new episode of Below the Iceberg, the one and only podcast where we talk to real life two comma club winners. Whether you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur, a wannabe entrepreneur, or you've been in business for a while, you're sure to pick up tidbits of actionable advice from these million dollar entrepreneurs. Now, if you don't know what a two two comma club winner is, it's where they've built one funnel in the ClickFunnels software and sold $1 million through just that one funnel, which is an absolute fantastic achievement. Now in this episode, I'm over the moon to be talking to Nate Dodson, who unexpectedly catapulted himself into worldwide fame for his super niche product. Let's dive in and find out what it was, how he did it, and all the unexpected things that happen on his path to that coveted million dollar funnel. So welcome, welcome, welcome. So before we dive in, I thought we would uh, just go into your stats just a little bit that I looked up on you. So I've got 4,000 students have been through your course, 16,000 followers on Instagram. You've got nearly 56,000 followers on YouTube over a million views on YouTube and you hit the big two comma club award with ClickFunnels. Sounds about right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they are pretty impressive. I um, Congratulations on those big wins and especially the two comma club award. Thank you. So you're in the microgreens business. Yeah, yep, the, the teaching people how to, how to grow and sell microgreens business. Okay, yep. so can you tell us a little bit about that because I'm sure there's a lot of people that won't even know what microgreens are. Yeah, microgreens are tiny vegetables. They're seven to 14 days old. They're like sprouts, but uh, a little bit different where they're grown in soil and they're cut off at the soil surface. And they're like a superfood. They're extremely nutritious. Uh, one study found they're up to 40 times more nutrient dense per ounce than mature vegetables. So they're really, they're really healthy. They're really easy to use and cook with. You can just pull them out of the package and throw them on all your dishes. Um, so we, we fell in love with them. We were selling them here locally in our town at the farmer's market. And um, I just decided to start teaching other people how to grow them. That's how, that's how it took off. All right. Okay. So who usually eats microgreens then? I mean, health conscious people, typically. Anyone trying to improve their health, get more vegetables into their diet. All right. Okay. And uh, do they give you special benefits compared to other just regular vegetables? They're just more nutritious. They're, they're also lower in fiber. Some people don't do well with a lot of fiber. Um, so that, that can be helpful, but they're just extremely nutritious, nutrient dense, and then just easy and simple to cook with. No prep work, peeling, chopping, none of that, none of that stuff. All right. So that, so, that sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's great. Okay, let's go back to the two comma club award then. What type of funnel was it that you won the award with? Was it a webinar? Uh, yeah, it was, my main funnel was a webinar. Um, and then it kind of had a follow-up sequence that had to do with the product launch formula. All Have right, okay. Okay, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, uh, the, well, the web, webinars, you've probably all seen the webinar stuff that um, Russell Brunson teaches about. Yeah. Um, so as a basic webinar, I kind of go through his perfect webinar script, 
And then after that, on the follow up, it's just more education and some videos and re kind of re then uh, launching the, the course again, giving them another opportunity to purchase on the back end. And the reason I did it that way is because I, I at first I did the um, product launch formula funnel. I think Jeff Walker was the one that came up with that. And it's just like, give them a few videos, educate them, and then you launch a product. So I did that at first, and then I learned about the webinar thing. And so I implemented the webinar thing on the front end and it did way better. So then I just left the rest of it on the back end, just to keep, give people another opportunity to buy. And so they could see all that good education that I had created already. So was with that follow-up then, was that just all purely through email or anything live or? Uh, yeah, nothing live. It was all through email, just sending them to watch videos and go to landing pages and stuff. All right. Okay, cool. So when did you actually hit that million dollar sales mark then? Um, I have no idea. Honestly, <laughs> I forget when that was. Um, it was probably like a year and a half ago or something. All right. Okay. So <laughs> were you... Did you realize, so when it happened, did you realize you'd hit it or did it just pass you by and then you realized? Uh, yeah, it passed me by a little bit. And then my accountability buddy like mentioned that he had got his award in the mail and I just popped into Stripe and checked it out and realized I was over the mark. And um, I sent an email to ClickFunnels and they told me I had to fill out all this stuff and like give them a bunch of video footage of my journey and I just felt too lazy to do it. So I didn't do any of it. And then I got my two comic club award in the mail like three months later. And I was like, whoa, I didn't think I was gonna actually get it because I didn't do any of the th stuff they said to do. <laughs> yeah, because don't they tell you you've got to go onto the ClickFunnels group and post your story and things like that? Is yeah, that... I, didn't do I didn't do any of that. So I, I didn't, yeah. No, I, I was like, it's that's not worth getting this trophy for, um, but they sent it to me anyway. So that was nice of them. That was nice, yeah. So. So you weren't trying to, so you weren't even trying to hit the two comma club award, then it wasn't a goal. No, I didn't, I don't need, I didn't feel like I needed the status of being a two comma club award winner for anything in particular. At one point I was, I was considering creating a course. I actually kind of did. I created like half of it. It was called automatic wage, teaching people how to start an online business. All right. And, and so having that award would have been helpful for that, but um, I never really followed through with that idea completely. So. All right. Okay. Okay. Now I want to do a little bit of a rewind and I want to take you back to your childhood. What was your childhood like? Um, it was pretty good. I, I lived, grew up by the ocean for my first six years and then moved to Northern Indiana and a house in the country with barns and animals. And, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. I mean, yeah. We partied a lot in high school, partied more in college, <laughs> and uh, moved around a little bit. And then I ended up getting into ecological restoration work. I did that for like five years, and I became pretty miserable with that job. And that's what really inspired me to, to do the urban farming, to try something else on my own. Okay, so how did you get, when you went to college, what did, what did you do at college then? I study, I did, well, I tried to study business and I don't think I was quite smart enough. I was not doing great. So I switched it to uh, environmental studies at our, at our university. It's called SPIA, School of Public and Environmental Management or environmental, SPIA, environmental something. <laughs> I can't even remember. 
But uh, everyone would say that the acronym was smoke pot earn A's. Like that was the easy, that was the easiest school at our college. So I was like, that sounds good to me. I was kind of a hippie anyway. So environmental studies appealed to me. And um, yeah, so I switched it from business, but I've always been really business minded. I mean, I was, I had businesses when I was a little kid selling. All right, cool. All what, did you, what did you do? Oh, I, I remember building it when I was in my tree fort, like fifth, fourth or fifth grade, my tree fort was so amazing. I was like, I could probably charge kids to come over here and play in this tree fort. <laughs> and then in sixth grade, me and my buddy, Michael would buy can would get candy off his uncle. He had like this bargain store and we would resell that in class. Me and my buddy, Joe Heath created a little newspaper and sold it. And then in high school, I sold um, marijuana, magic mushrooms, stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah very entrepreneurial oh my dad's my dad uh, is a business owner so I think I inherited it from him all right I was going to ask you what what jobs your parents did so what 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 did what did your dad do uh he did roofing and siding for like 20 years and then he got into um starting a small home development and sold that to a company the remaining lots and then got into the apartment business and then did that for a decade and then sold out of that and got into home cleaning business. So he's done several. All right. Okay. I, I always think that when you're a child and you have parents who work for themselves or they're business owners, it passes down. It always seems to pass down to the children. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look around at most of my friends and most of us are doing something similar to what our dad, our parents did. Most of my guy friends are doing similar to what their dads did. So it's pretty interesting. So when you were a child, what did you always want to be when you grew up? Um, hmm. There was, I think there was nothing really in particular. I just, I've just always wanted to have fun. Like that's always been my goal. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So when you left college, you just went and got a regular job, was it? Yep. And what was, what was that? Uh, well, at first I was kind of moving around the country a couple different times following my then girlfriend, now wife, um, while she was finishing up some schooling. So I just took what I could get sort of thing. It was right. It was right when the 2008 economy crashed and getting jobs was hard. So I couldn't really get stuff in my degree. And I did a couple of random jobs and um, eventually got got a job in my career doing environmental management stuff. All um, right. OK, so. I believe you then started an urban farm. Is that right? Yep. Okay, so how did that come about? That came about because I was, my job I had was exhausting. I mean, long days out in the woods, spraying invasive plants with herbicides, and we'd have a backpack with liquid on, we'd hiking up and down hills all day, long pants, long sleeves all summer, getting eaten alive by ticks and mosquitoes and poison ivy and chiggers. And oh, it was really exhausting some days. And I had, I just had a, my first daughter at home, you know, and that's really tiring too. So I wasn't getting great sleep. I was up half the night itching my legs from all these bites. And it was, it was just wearing me down. I was like, I got to do something else. But the nice thing about that job is I had a lot of time to listen to podcasts. And I was listening to one podcast about an urban farmer, um, Curtis Stone, that uh, he was sharing his whole journey of getting into urban farming. And, and I'd already 
when we lived out in Portland, Oregon, I was seeing people doing it. And I was kind of like, that's pretty cool. Like, I, I think I could do that. So I'd already kind of had the idea in the back of my head. And that just inspired me to really go forward with it. We had, um, we, we just moved to a house that had a big, flat, sunny backyard. And um, he was teaching people how to also talk to your neighbors and get other people to use other people's yards. So you didn't need a lot of land. Right. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I'm a hard worker and I, and I knew it required hard work and uh, we didn't have an urban farm in our town. So I just, I said, I'm going to go for it. And I started doing it part-time on the side when I was off work. So where did you do it? From your backyard? Yeah, our backyard. And then we had a few others in town as well that we used from other people. All right. Okay. Well, did they just let you use them or did you pay them or? Yeah, they would let us use them in exchange for like a CSA share, like a, um, a share of veggies. All right, so, okay. So yeah. urban farm over in the UK, it's not really a term that we use. So what do you actually do on an urban farm? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just like a farm in the country, except your plots are typically smaller. You know, they're, they're smaller and spread out somewhat. But it's it's basic farming. We're, we're growing in the ground. Um, pulling plants out bringing them to the farmer's market bringing them to local chefs and all right and okay so what were you growing we were growing all kinds of stuff i mean probably 20 different veggies were our, main, right. were our main varieties okay so then how did you get into the microgreens well that was one of the the crops that curtis promoted that he, he was saying that was one of his top three crops or top five crops and and so we were doing that one we were kind of following his business model and our microgreens were doing the best. They were definitely doing the best. Um, they were just easy. We did those mostly indoors. So, you know, they were, this, it was always on a schedule. We always had stuff available. It was a quick turnaround time, got a good price for them. We just loved the microgreens. So uh, we kind of had those from the very start. All right. Okay. So with the microgreens, how long do they take to grow then? Seven to 14 days on average. All right. Okay. Yeah, it's quite quick, isn't it? Very quick. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't. So when people do the microgreens, they do it in. They do. They don't need a garden. They do it inside, do they? Yeah, most most people do it in, indoors. That's what I recommend. Uh, under lights, you have like a shelf, a little shelf rack, and um, you have lights on there, and you you have trays like ten by twenty inch trays. You put dirt in them. You put the seeds on top. Water them. Put them under the lights. And they're ready to go they're ready to cut off and harvest you know a week later what about temperatures then can they do them in hot countries how they're, they're just like they like the same temperatures that human beings like they're just like us so mid you know um humidity around 40 50 percent and in the like the low 70s they're happy as as could be oh cool so yeah. when you realize the microgreens are taking off how did you start going from that and then start turning it into what you do now with the courses? What, how did that come about? Um, the, the same guy that I was learning about urban farming from, Curtis Stone was his name. He was having a webinar to, to, tell, to explain to people that he was launching a new online course called Profitable Urban Farming. And it was a live webinar and I attended it because I wanted to see the offer and hear what he had to say and, and learn from him. And uh, he got to the end and his course was $1,000. 
And he had all these people in the comments in the sidebar. I could see all the comments and all these people were like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And I just like saw dollar signs and I was like, holy cow, this guy just made like $60,000 in an hour and a half presentation. And so I went over to my business plan on my computer and I said, create, create content or teach people something farming related, like make that part, integrate that to the business somehow. Okay. And when was that then? What year was that? That was probably like early 2015, late 2014, something like that. Okay, so after you saw that, when did you actually implement that then? Um, pretty quickly. I just kind of thought, you know, what's the thing that we're doing that's working the best and it's microgreens. I was like, I'll just teach microgreens. And I went out, got a camera, made like seven or eight videos and, and over the course of a couple of days, threw them up on YouTube. And um, that was the start of it. So was that when you started your YouTube channel? Yep. Yep. I started a YouTube channel and I also wrote up a quick start guide to, to help people get started. Just telling them these are the supplies you need. This is how you grow your first crop. This is how you approach your first uh, restaurant customer. It took me, you know, probably six hours to make not, not incredibly long. It was like a eight or 10 page PDF and uh, threw that up on a basic landing page um the whole thing just took me you know a couple days to get it up and running all right okay so when did you discover click funnels then um i think that would have been maybe like a year later or something all right okay so you started webinars before you found click funnels was that yep yep so how did you discover did you discover Russell Brunson or did you discover ClickFunnels or ha what happened there? Or, or you, did you say I started webinars before I knew about ClickFunnels? Yeah. No, no, no webinars. I just had the landing page with the free ebook. Oh, right. Okay. And then, and then the YouTube videos. Um, I, I think I found ClickFunnels just because I couldn't do everything I wanted to do with WordPress. Um, I wanted to make sales pages and stuff. Once I got to the point of wanting to create my first product and that's, ClickFunnels was just starting to grow, just starting to be around and it looked like the best option. So I went for it. I think I just did some research on the computer and found it. All right. Okay. So did you build your webinar yourself or did you get somebody else to build it for you or how did that work? Yeah, yeah I did it myself. Just went through um, his perfect webinar script and just followed what he, what he did, just did exactly what he said to do. And have you read Russell's books? Yep, I read Dot Com Secrets at that point. And then later I read Expert Secrets. Um, after that came out, those are the only two I've read. But Expert Secrets is phenomenal. That's an amazing book. Yeah, I love both those. And Traffic Secrets. Have you read that one? No, I haven't read that yet. So how were you getting? So you had the so you had the YouTube channel and then you set up your webinar. Yeah. How were people finding you? People were finding me through the YouTube channel. At the end, at the end of every video, I would say, for a free, if you want your free quick start guide, go to my website, pop in your email address, and you'll get the free quick start guide. And um, I was busy farming. I was busy as heck working my butt off. And I, after I put these videos up in the landing page, I didn't pay any attention to it for like four months. <laughs> like I don't even know if I logged back into YouTube. I was so busy. And eventually I, I did, I logged back in. I was like, holy cow, I've got like tons of emails 
and from people replying to this quick start guide and the tons of views I was like wow this is like something I had like four 500 subscribers already on my email list just a few months later and um I was like I should probably pay more attention to this so I think I made I think I created a couple more videos at that point and started replying to people's emails and answering their questions and then I think I just created like a little autoresponder, a second autoresponder. Like the first one was just their freebie. And I think I created a second one where it's like, hey, what's your biggest problem? What, what do you need help with? And that gave me more video ideas. And it just, you know, it started snowballing from there. So were you just busy farming while well, that was just going, ticking along in the background? Yep, just super busy farming. So they were people just getting the free guides. There was no selling of courses or anything there. Yeah, it wasn't selling anything, but I mean, as I started to interact with them and go through those emails more, everyone was asking like where I got my labels, like there, you sell microgreens in little plastic clamshells typically, and they have right. little labels on them and people liked my labels because I showed them in my YouTube videos and people were asking about those. And I was like, Hey, I'll, I'll just throw up, throw up some templates and sell them to you guys. Does that sound good? Like reply back. Yes. If you're interested in buying these and you know, tons of people did. <laughs> So I sold those for $49. That was my first product. It was probably six months after I'd started putting stuff on YouTube. And I mean, I, I probably sold six grand worth close to it. Of just labels. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Maybe it wasn't that much. Um, were they printed was, labels and or just were they ready printed for them? No, they were just um, like Microsoft Word documents that they could edit. They could throw okay. their farm, they could switch out my farm logo for their farm logo and, and their information. All right, okay. So when did you decide then to start doing the course? Oh, pretty quickly after that, I, I thought, I think online courses is the way to go. I'd seen other people creating online courses and like that's what Curtis Stone was selling for a thousand dollars. So I knew they had high perceived value. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'd taken some online courses in the past. Um, so it just seemed like kind of the obvious thing. They had th their questions were so across the board. They had so many different questions that it's like, you know, I could just cover all these in one product, you know, just just make a complete product that's that covers everything. So that's where the course got started. Right. OK, so when so did you do it as a live webinar to start with? Uh, I didn't do webinars at all to sell the course at first. I, oh, just, right, okay. I created the course. I basically just blogged everything I did at my business for like two weeks um, and then gave them all the rest of the documents and templates I was using. And I sold it for ninety nine dollars. And um, just sent out some emails, just sent out a few emails telling people they could purchase it. That's how it got started. All right, okay. So how did you move on? When did you decide then to move from that to do a webinar? Oh gosh, I bet it was about a year out, a year later. I think I sold the course for like a year without doing the webinar. I basically just created like five email autoresponder that everyone that signed up for my list, I would tell them about the course over like five emails and let them purchase it. And I then I just kept farming. I was just working on the farm that whole year. And I wasn't really improving anything else with the course or creating a ton of new content or anything. So people were just randomly finding you on YouTube? Yeah, people would find me on YouTube. They'd 
get in my email sequence. It was just like five basic emails on MailChimp or something. And I would tell them about the course. It was $99, you know, it was so cheap. So tons of people bought it. I would, I would probably, I probably was making about, oh, five or $600 a week on average throughout that year, maybe a little bit more. Okay. And, and what, uh, were they from just US or all over the world? They were all over the world. The majority is definitely from the US, but there was people from all over the world. Cool. Yeah. So when you did the webinar, when you moved over to the webinar, did you do that live? Yes, I did it live at first. How many times did you do it live before you turned to Evergreen? Uh, once, I think. You only did it once? I think so, yeah, <laughs> at first. <laughs> then you just put it on auto yep just put it on auto after one go how many people came to the first one then was it a good turnout i have no i can't remember at all yeah, no, yeah. No, no recollection <laughs> so now so have you got more of a setup now than you did before do you concentrate on on it more now or uh, no, I'm not concentrating hardly, hardly at all anymore. I, I actually improved my webinar. Like uh, six months later, I went back, redid the webinar and presented it live like five times and then picked the best of those five and, and, and inserted that into my email as evergreen webinar. And I started working with a mentor um, who taught me some awesome, awesome stuff about setting up my funnels a little bit differently and tweaking some things. And at that point, it was just cruising. It was doing great and um, started producing a very high income. And I felt like pressure to like invest that money. So I started getting into buying local rental houses and that started taking a lot of time. And I realized I just loved fixing up houses. All right, so okay. I, I kind of shifted my time to mostly doing that. And I, I don't do a lot with microgreens farmer anymore. I hardly create any content or anything. I've got, I've got a person, a, a lady that does all my Instagrams and Facebooks and stuff, but I haven't been doing much YouTube or, or anything. And is it still just ticking along? People yeah, going it's, through? it's like, it's like coasting downhill right now <laughs> since the pandemic. It's kind of when I really took my foot off the gas and stopped, stopped working on it right before that. And yeah, it's just, it's slowly like fading out. It's not growing or anything. So what, why is that then? Did the pandemic get more people interested in doing it? Um, or not? Yeah, I think it kind of did. Yeah, right when the pandemic hit, I came, I came out with this new short webinar explaining to people why it's a perfect opportunity to start a business during the pandemic. And it gave me a little boost of sales and then it, and then one of my competitors, he came out with like a better product, a better course than mine. He kind of like took my idea that I was do that I was doing uh, after the pandemic and executed on it way faster than me and made it better. And so that's that's what's accounted for the major loss of my sales and then not creating um, content, you know, not putting new stuff up on YouTube. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I am right now. I I've got pretty I'm pretty simple dude I don't have a lot of need a lot of expensive stuff I drive a old Honda Fit from 2012 and live in a not an expensive house I don't care about that stuff really so 
the income that I received from microgreens farmer, I mean, there was a couple of years where it was doing like 20, 30 grand a month in profit. And, you know, I was able to save a lot of money and invest a lot of money in these rental properties. And it just, my motivation now is my only motivation was to get to like a freedom number. It's not to like keep acquiring more and more and more, more money. It's just like get to a point where I don't really need to work. And that's when I just felt my motivation dropped and I kind of took my foot off the gas. Um, and, you know, I, I want to, when I have time again, I want to jump back in there and help them more. I've, I've been creating a little bit of new stuff just for the students, but I haven't been creating much stuff to promote the actual program. All right. Okay. So did you put your price of your course up after your initial $99? Yeah. When I went back and created the webinar, the first time I created the webinar, I did $297. And that was the one where I just did the webinar once and then put it on Evergreen. And then like a year later, when I went back and redid it again, improved it, did it five times, picked the best, that's when I raised it to $497. And that's where it's stayed ever since. All right. Okay. So you don't have a lot of staff. The microgreens is just you basically. The actual farming part or the yeah. online business? Well, the whole, the whole thing. Do you keep them as two separate entities or, or do you have them as one? Yeah, they're two separate entities. And I, I basically stopped farming once the, a couple of years ago, once the online business was growing to a certain extent and I started to do the rental properties. I couldn't do all three things. So I wound down the farm. Um, I'm still growing some microgreens right now. I've kind of started it back up recently, growing for me and a few other people. Um, but I'm not trying to create a big business with that anymore. And then the microgreens farmer, I had a, I have a contractors that work for me, several contractors that help me out. All right. Okay. So What's the vision moving forward for the microgreens then? Is it just going to, are you just going to leave that tick along or I do want to bring it back? Um, I think houses are getting really expensive right now. It's not, it doesn't feel like a great time to keep buying rentals. Uh, I've, I've got one that I just recently bought that I'm trying to finish up. And once I get that finished up and rented this winter, I think I might dive back in and do some more stuff with microgreens farmer, create some more content. I've got some ideas that I'm excited to share with my audience. Um, but, you know, I might sell it at some point, might see if one of my teammates wants to take over and buy the business. Uh, that's stuff I'm considering as well. So can you grow microgreens all year round? Oh yeah, yep. I mean, people usually do it in like a spare, spare room in their house because it's perfect. You're already heating and cooling the house for your bot yourselves and microgreens like the exact same temperature. So it makes, perfect sense to just to do it in your house and who if you do it as a business what sort of restaurants buy them then oh, lots, of restaurants? lots lots of restaurants buy them nowadays i mean chefs there's so many young chefs nowadays that love love to try new things and experiment but um fancy restaurants have kind of used them for several decades now as like a garnish but there's a lot more restaurants that are actually incorporating them into their salads, putting them on their sandwiches and their omelets. Um, yeah, lots sushi places like them, tons of different restaurants. All right, okay, it's interesting. I think yeah. I, might have, I might have to get my mother on it. She wants a little something to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a great it's a great business for people who are like 
um, just looking to supplement their retirement income, like that's a big part of my customer base is people that have retired. They're getting social, mostly living off social security and they just need to make a little extra more extra money. Like they, they like the idea that they can just do it on a, on the farmer's market on a Saturday and make 200, $200, $300 cash, you know? So that's a big part of my customer base. Yeah. That sounds pretty good for retired people, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're trying to get, stay healthy. You know, they can eat all the stuff they don't sell. So it's great. She, she lives in Spain and she was worried about the heat. With yeah yeah if she's got a spare room or or she could just set up set up a little shelf in her kitchen you know it doesn't it doesn't take up much space at all I have to investigate that one mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so um a lot of people i know who have hit the two comma club award they've used ads so you didn't use any ads yeah i when i was for those couple of years when it was doing 20, 30 grand a month, I had, I had a team member that was doing all the Facebook ads. I had a team member that was doing Google ads. I was, I mean, I was probably spending close to 20, 30 grand a month on ads at one point. All right. And, okay. And doing, you know, seven, 60, 70 grand in revenue a month. Cause I know there's people out there, they, they get this huge comma club award, but actually they didn't actually make any profit on the funnel at all. Yeah. <laughs> No, that wasn't me. I, I started working with a bookkeeper. Um, they're great. Their company is called Evolved Finance. They, they just specialize in bookkeeping for online businesses. And the, when I started working with him, he's like, this is like the highest profit person we have on our, of anyone we deal. It was like a 70 to 80% profit margin for a while there. That was kind of like when I started winding down my ads. So I still had a lot of people going through the funnel, but it's, I've always had pretty high margins. Oh, that's good. Because they say sales are vanity and profit is yeah. sanity. Yeah, <laughs> revenue doesn't mean anything really. No, not at all. Only if you want to get the uh, the award. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I got my I got one last question for you. If you were going to be an animal for twenty four hours, what would you be? I'd be a dolphin. Right. Okay. And why? Uh, I don't know. It just looks like they have a lot of fun out there. They're playing in the waves and riding waves and, you know, messing with each other. They're just, they just seem like they love to have fun. (laughs) That's awesome. So I wanted to say a really, really big thank you for coming and talking to me today. So if anybody's interested in microgreens and how they can get started, where do they need to go? Yeah, if you want to try creating a business, growing and selling microgreens, just go to microgreensfarmer.com. You put in your email address and you'll, you get the webinar replay and you get the ebook. Um, and then if you stay in the funnel, you get a bunch more free emails about educating you about the opportunity. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs>